Welcome to The Barrel Banter, a show covering all things Milwaukee Brewers. From trades to signings, player analysis to game recaps, or discussing uniforms, ballpark food, and everything in between. Here are your hosts, Peter and David Goh. Welcome to this week's episode of The Barrel Banter. I'm your host, David Goh. Before I get to the main part of the episode where Peter and I recorded, I just wanted to offer a little bit of a preface. We recorded on Friday night, so there were a few games that we didn't cover. We didn't cover the Brewers' Friday and Saturday games against the Reds. They had a couple wins, well, actually three since then, as I'm recording here on Monday afternoon. They won 5-4 on Friday, an ugly 10-8 win on Saturday where they issued 10 walks and allowed 9 stolen bases. And then they were able to come through the win on Sunday, 5-1, with the the series finale tonight, Monday. Uh, we'll have this out at some point today, so you may be, probably by the time you listen to it, will be over. And then they return home for three against Baltimore and three against Oakland. Peter and I are actually going to talk about the sloppy 10-8 win on Saturday and why there feels to be a little bit of significance in that win, despite it being a just a normal June Saturday game against the Reds. A few uh, a few transactions and notes that I wanted to touch on as well. Darren Ruff left the game on Friday with initially right knee laceration, but they transferred him to the 60-day IL today with a right patella fracture. So he'll be out for at least two months, and that's even if he comes back in the minimum amount of time, which would make him eligible to return about about early August. So it looks like Ruff will be out for a while. Uh, seems, I mean, there's just so many injuries piling up for the Brewers. And someone who's come in and put together a lot of nice at-bats in Darren Ruff and can't catch a break, it feels like, on the injury front. Luis Rios is back. He was activated from the 60-day injured list on Monday. Ruff transferred there, and that's what opened the 40-man roster spot. And to make mo- make excuse me to make room on the active roster... For Rios, Mike Brasso was optioned to AAA. Brasso hasn't been the greatest this year in the major leagues. He, of course, had an excellent spring. He was good last year. But with a plethora of infield options with Owen Miller playing well, Brasso can't really play short, not as good at second as someone like Bryce Terang or even like Rios. The Brewers opted to send Mike Brasso down to AAA. Bennett Souza was recalled from AAA Nashville. Jake Cousins was sent there after his rough outing on Friday night. Tyrone Taylor was placed on the IL with a right elbow spray, and that same elbow that was bothering him in the spring, and that caused him to miss the first part of the season. So Taylor's back on the IL now. John Singleton was called up for Darren Ruff's injury. Blake Perkins up for Tyrone Taylor's injury. So quite a lot of things happened over the weekend. A lot of moves around the fringes of the roster, but still important moves and it just iterates how much the depth has been tested and I think how well the Brewers have responded to it. They're sitting right now at 32 and 27, five games above 500, and a half game above the Pirates in first place in the NL Central. The Cardinals are slumping down seven and a half games now. This is a time for the Brewers to take that lead, especially on the Cardinals. I think the Pirates are going to fade out as we head into the middle stage of the season. The Cubs and Reds, they're both okay, but I don't see them as serious threats to the Brewers. Now is the time. I think the expectations, we talk about that a little bit in this episode, are a little too high given how injury-riddled the Brewers roster is. 
and hopefully as they get healthier, they'll be able to improve their play a little bit. But still sitting at five games above 500 heading into Monday and heading into a week where hopefully they can they can take two out of three against Baltimore and maybe a series sweep against, of course, an Oakland team that is historically bad, sitting right now at 12 and 49 on pace to have the worst season in the history of the sport. So hope you enjoyed this episode that Peter and I recorded today. We're hoping to get a couple guests on over the next couple weeks as well to talk Brewers baseball. Thanks for listening. And as always, go Brewers. Back Brewers fans to the Barrel Banter podcast. I'm your host, Peter Go. David, we're back in person, which is good. I know we were back in person for our episode last episode with Troy. If you didn't get a chance to listen to last episode, I would stop the podcast right now. Go listen to last episode. That was a lot of fun we had with Troy, both both on air and off air. But he shared the origin stories of Bernie Brewer, the mascot, the Braves logo. And yeah, we even had one of our listeners tweet out that it was one of the, the best Brewer interviews that he's heard on a podcast. So yeah, shout out to Troy for being on the podcast. It was great. Like I said, go check out last week's podcast and go check out his his auctions. Got some really cool stuff. Actually, um, I believe it's closing June uh June third. June third, yeah. So it might be there's a, a Mark Rogers signed baseball on there. So for anyone who's interested, starting bid was at one dollar. <laughs> was I, it really? It was. <laughs> Nobody had bid yet when I checked, but I did check that night. So Hopefully we got some bidders. We'll we'll check on it while Peter's doing the All intro. Right. There we go. See I, see if there's any update on the Mark Rogers ball. I could also put mine up for sale. Brewers on deck. And I don't anybody else with me? Twenty five twenty five dollars? Just ten, I think. Ten. Okay. So ten ten dollars. Lot of lot of three. Mark <laughs> Rogers uh baseball. Hunter Morris signed baseball and Willie Peralta Bowman Chrome rookie card signed on the side of the card in pen. <laughs> Starting bid a dollar fifty. <laughs> You're just throwing out my three worst autographs from Brewers on Deck. We used to do really well at Brewers on Deck. It had a lot of fun, but yes, I do have a sweet spot ROMLB from Mark Rogers. Also in oh, one current from... bid one dollar. Someone has bid a dollar <laughs> on Mark Rogers baseball JSA certified. So it inscribed as well. That mine it, was not inscribed. First MLB win. I didn't. I actually didn't really realize he had a win. He ah. actually had a really good autograph. He did like that. That's I. I actually really liked his autograph, and the ball I have looks excellent. The it downside does. is it's Mark Rogers, it but does. high highest drafted player ever out of the state of Maine. Fun fact for you, and he's not even a random player of the day today, is he, David? No. So who who is our random player of the day? That was a beautiful transition. Thank you. I have to to say, today's random player of the day is not as random. Actually, it is Mister Jeffrey Jenkins, who. You might know by Jeff. I don't know why I said Jeffrey. <laughs> he was with the Brewers from 98 to 07. First round pick in 95. I think he was 10th overall. Fourth all time in home runs as a Brewer. Fifth in slugging. Sixth in OPS. Seventh in games played. He was an all-star in 2003. I did not know this until I was doing some research. His brother Brett played in the Giants organization. He's best known, or at least to me, he's best known, for Jenkins Jungle in right field at Miller Park. That was one of my earliest memories at, at Miller Park was seeing that Jenkins Jungle sign. I was four or five yeah. years old. I was born in 2002. So he was five when he left the Brewers. Or, excuse me. <laughs> I was five when he left the Brewers. And so that's what I remember about him. Now in his, his post-playing career, he has been inducted to the Brewers Wall of Honor and then recently the Walk of Fame in the last couple of years. He's also a member of the Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame where he grew up. 
and he's a minority owner in Marucci and he owns F45 training in Phoenix, which is a, a gym. Yeah, I didn't know the, the minority owner in Marucci was new to me. And fun fact for you too, Jeff Jenkins, second all time in home runs at USC. Only second, of course, to Mark McGuire. Not 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 bad company there. Um, number two all time in the history of USC baseball. So Jeff Jenkins, our not so random player of the day today. Trivia question for you. Which 2021 and 22 Brewer also played at USC? Not with Jeff Jenkins, but he, he played at USC. Was it a pitcher? Yes. That narrows it down to half. Um, more than probably more than half. Got to be a, a bullpen guy. I don't believe yeah. any of the starters were from USC. Um, 2021 and 2022. I don't th- no. Not it wasn't Strzecki. It wasn't. Milner, I don't believe. Do you want another hint? Yes. He now pitches for the Cubs. I definitely know who this is. Brad Boxberger. Brad Boxberger. That was good. He was. That's actually. <laughs> oh, 21 and 22. I didn't even put yeah, that together. I thought that maybe. I, I, no, I was thinking 20. I was mentally thinking 22 and 23. I was thinking about. Because, I mean, the Brewers don't have that many relievers that pitch for two consecutive seasons. Mm, so that's true. That's why I was thinking Strzelecki and Milner, but I knew that yeah. they didn't and Williams didn't. There's our hey, you actually got the uh, trivia. It was the trivia right. question. We had random player of the day and then trivia. But usually, you last time you got the trivia question wrong when you tried to do it on the spot, which that That's was true. an unplanned trivia question. So, you I, at least according to me, you got it right. I, I guess I don't know. Someone will have to to fact check. I'm sure that you were right on that one. But let's jump into our weekly review. Not exactly a great, I guess, weekly review. It's been a while since we talked about the Brewers. Uh, given the guest ep- guest episode we did with Troy, but Brewers winning two of three against the Astros, then losing three out of four against a pretty good, pretty hot Giants team at home there, those seven games at home, and then lost then again two out of three against the Blue Jays. We're recording this here today, Friday evening after the Brewers win against the Reds, so they won game one here, but Brewers kind of, I, I don't know, tumbling their way into it at this point. It's certainly not been great baseball, and we'll get into that more. Um, really, I think that's, that's probably the biggest topic to look at today is, is are the fan expectations too high for the Brewers, especially the, the current Brewers. So we will be talking about that, looking at our MVP and Cy Young for the month of May, and then revisiting the fresh men, uh, class that the Brewers have this year. But before we get to that, let's take a look at the injury update and transactions, which is a long, long list as it normally seems to be. Um, Luis Urias probably the, the the main bright spot here on this long list of players back soon, correct? Yeah, he should be back next week. Initially, council said May 30th was going to be the return date for Rias, but he moved that back to next week. He's going to get some more rehab games in Nashville. That's where he is right now playing. So he should be back next week or yeah. this, this upcoming week. We're going to, we're recording this on Friday night. So probably what is today? The second. So may, maybe by the fifth or sixth, I think, by the way, happy birthday to Luis Arias. I think his birthday is tomorrow, the third. I there think. we go. There we go. Right off the top of your head there. That's no, was not scripted either. Next guy up, Eric Lauer. Wait, I think Eric Lauer's birthday is also tomorrow, actually. That's actually would be sort of impressive. You you, you do your research and fact checking on that. And uh, there it is. Luis Urias, Eric Lauer, June 3rd. You got it tomorrow. In my document that I have of all the Brewers' birthdays that 
that there a normal thing? Does everyone have yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely don't, but most people do. Eric Lauer, he should be back shortly as well. Bre- one more brief stint, then, of course, Urias. Um, Lauer coming back a couple weeks here, probably late June, followed by then Wade Miley, who's targeting a July return. And then probably most importantly, Brandon Woodruff, who's still projected to come back after the All-Star break. Probably a, a bit of a, a dumb question here. I, I think it's obvious who the biggest player coming back there probably Woodruff. But any of those guys that necessarily you're you're most excited to have back? I'm excited to have a Rios back. I think most fans don't really care about him coming back, but this is a bad Brewers offense, has been all year, and that's going to provide a boost to their to their offense. I mean, Urias has been one of their best hitters for the past two years, even if he is a little bit frustrating to watch at times. He's still a pretty steady contributor. So I think getting Urias back will be more valuable or go longer, go a longer ways. Go be big. <laughs> I think Brewers fans are underrating the impact that Luis Urias has made in the past and could make this year when he comes back from the IL. I would say the same though about Wade Miley as well. I mean, he was That's our true. he was our best starter. That's true. I, I think he had yeah. what, one one bad outing, but besides that, like a sub two or sub three ERA. I mean, he's really really good. So I think he's also underrated. At least he has been. No guarantee that he'll continue that level of success. But he's a guy we'll certainly be happy to have back, especially with both him and Lauer being out of the rotation. We'll get probably both of those two lefties back, assuming they do decide to to bring Eric Lauer back into the rotation. So a couple of other updates on the injured list. Jesse Winker put on the 10-day IL for a cervical strain. Was he put on the the IL with a cervical strain or not hitting well? Yes. I would imagine it was probably a little bit of both. And that's probably an episode for next week or a topic for next week as we keep seeing Jesse Winker. Well, now we don't see him, but as we, we continue to see his lack of production offensively, I, I guess we've, we've briefly touched on how long do we let this go, but we're starting to get to that point. I think. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I think they'll probably bring him back, but yeah, but if he has another few weeks of, of struggles, I think that might be time to, uh, to call it a day on the, the Jesse Winker experience that we've all been thrilled to have been titillated by absolutely willie adames will be back shortly with a seven day il stint of course the concussion on that uh, foul ball being hit in the head with uh it while he was in the dugout so luckily looks like all signs pointing that he'll be back uh without any major concerns from him eric lauer we already mentioned as well and uh, brewers deciding to dfa Alex Claudio and Luke Voigt, your your guy as part of our non roster invitee and kind of nobody draft. So you did he get got, a f- he got me some at bats. Oh yeah, oh yeah, plenty more than Tyler Naquin. That's true. Or Naquin. Uh, what what has will have have forgotten me this year? So uh, Voigt and Claudio out. Gus Farland returned to the Dodgers. Kind of a just a, a a player that we're keeping track of. Brewer signing Julio Tehran. That was a name that I was not expecting to see. Only thirty three years old. Didn't know that. Hmm. Younger than Hobie Milner. Wow. I didn't I didn't even know Hobie Milner was that old. Interesting. Yeah, Tehran had that Braves. I don't even want to call it a run, but he had that yeah, two-time time. All-Star. Oh, I didn't realize it was that two-time All-Star. Yeah, so I know he had it. Okay. He's 32. Okay. So I guess, I mean, then, okay, maybe a run with the, the Braves. But what, what years were that? 14 and 16. Yeah. Interesting. You said, yeah, like you knew that. I did because I was looking at it too. (laughs) So yeah, Tehran, the two-time All-Star Brewer signing him and a good start from him. I think we want six innings, one run uh, with with the Brewers. 
yeah, two starts. Um, and he's allowed one earned run. That's right. In across eleven innings, I think he allowed one unearned run in in one of the starts. But I mean, Julio Tehran, the expectations are not very high for him. So excellent showing from Tehran so far. Yeah, absolutely. Brewers also signing Roman Quinn to a minor league deal and recalling Andrew Monasterio and Abraham Toro. Toro hitting a two run shot um, in his time with the Brewers so far. A guy I don't think we really expected to see up probably at all this year, uh, but certainly not by June. Uh, that's for sure. End of April, end of May, whatever. So, like I said, long laundry list of injury updates for the Brewers. It's just been the type of season the Brewers have had this year. So let's let's go into the expectations that Brewers fans have for the team. And, and we were talking a couple days ago that kind of prompted this this topic. And I was saying, you know, I see a lot of the negativity around the Brewers. The Brewers haven't haven't been playing great baseball, which I know you'll share a little bit about the offensive struggles. Not even struggles. The the poor offense the Brewers have had all year, really. Um, but I see all the negativity about how bad the Brewers are playing all this stuff. They're two games above 500, which is not great. They're in first place in the NL Central in a division that's not great. But they're in first place. They're two games above 500. They, for the most part, haven't had Brandon Woodruff. They haven't had Luis Urias. Garrett Mitchell pretty much out for the year. They've missed a, a decent amount of time from Wade Miley, Adrian Hauser, a little bit of Eric Lauer, Matt Bush, which I guess, yeah, he had his, obviously his struggles while he was on the team. But this is not the same Brewers team that we looked at from the start. And so, I don't know, my, my opinion on this, and, and I'll certainly ask yours here shortly, is I think the expectations of the Brewers' current team is are we're still expecting them to be an 87 to 90 win team with two of our better players in Woodruff and Arias out for the majority of the season. So I guess, what are your thoughts on that, David, as far as our, our expectations too high for the Brewers team that they have currently, and then maybe shed some light about how have the Brewers really performed across the national league? Well, I said it when Woodruff went out with injury, but I think if the Brewers tread water until Woodruff comes back, and knowing that they would have a Rios back by then, of course, Miley went out, but Miley hopefully will be back by the time Woodruff is back. Being one or two games above 500 when that happens would be, I don't know if I'd say it's a win, but it, it's not a loss because they're still within striking distance. We talked about that striking distance. Well, they are in first place. So in some ways they are not in striking distance because they're not striking at anyone. Is that how that works? I, I believe so. I believe so. Uh, but their their offense is what's been more concerning. They've been without Woodruff, but their pitching has still actually been pretty good. And I would add with that defense. Their defense has been excellent. But their offense, 230 batting average, 306 on base, 379 slugging. These marks all entering Friday's game. 14th in average and last in OPS, or in both on base and slugging, so therefore OPS. Yeah, which which I will admit shocked me how, how poor the offense has been. Cause I was thinking about, okay, you, you've got Joey Weimer who's starting every day. Who's a, who, who's not a very good hitter so far, at least uh, you've got Bryce two in the mix. Who's also not a very good hitter. Um, but you also still have Telez. You still have Adames. Owen Miller should help the batting average. Brian Anderson, I know hasn't been anything like he was to start the season, understandably, but you still got Adames, Anderson, Christian Yelich is having a, a better year this year. So you were asking me some of these and I thought, okay, yeah, we're probably an above, above, excuse me, below average offense, but yeah, 14th out of 15th in batting average, 15th out of 15th in on base, 15th out of 15th in slugging. 
Is there anything, any changes that you think the Brewers need to make offensively? I'm not going to say like, oh, the Brewers need to go out and make a trade because we know they're not going to do that in, in early June. But is there anything they need to do, whether it's cutting ties with Jesse Winker, whether it's changing the the platoon looks at different positions? How do you see the Brewers really resolving the offense besides just trying to get Urias healthy? Well, certainly that's one of them. And that hopefully won't be the only thing they do. I, I have one of our topics for later is talking about Terang and Weimer. So I'll save the, 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 the Terang and Weimer talk for a little bit later, but definitely one of them would be adding a bat. They don't need a bat with positional versatility. If they're going to replace Winker Winker so far this year, he's hitting 204 slugging 231 across 108 at bats as a DH, that's simply not going to cut it. He's in a contract year. I don't think anyone's going to really take on his $9 million contract at this point, but I think it might be time to move on. And you need to go out and get a bat because you have Weimer, you have Bryce Terang, who are both performing well with the glove. And you can have maybe one or maybe two of those guys if you're a team built on run prevention. But you can't have two of those guys plus a DH spot that's not performing at all. Adamus is hitting 205. He's not been quite the same with, with the power either. Hopefully he's able to turn it around when he comes back from the IL. And you've got, so you've got basically numerous sinkholes offensively in terms of Weimer Terang, and then a DH spot in Winker, sometimes right field, depending on Tyrone Taylor. He's been terrible this year offensively, but Taylor is capable of, of uh, catching fire at any point. So I think that's the most obvious need is just simply a bat. And it doesn't need to be a bat with positional versatility. It doesn't have to be Eduardo Escobar who can play first, second, and third base. It doesn't have to be some super utility guy. But it can be someone who has no defensive value. Maybe, now I hope they're thinking bigger than this, but maybe the Mets <laughs> decide they want to move on from Daniel Vogelback. Maybe he's the answer. Well, hopefully not because he only hits right-handed pitching. <laughs> but and Darren Ruff exited with an injury today, so hopefully he's okay, a knee injury. But... But someone that, that can just be a DH, that's fine. But Winker is, at least he doesn't seem like the answer. Ever heard of uh, Jackie Bradley Jr.? What about a, yeah, G, JBJ? He's, Winker's got an OPS plus of 55. You think that's better than JBJ? I don't think it is. I, I believe JBJ had one of the worst. You mean this year? This or year. this? Oh, this year. I, I, I'm not sure. I haven't, I haven't looked at. JBJ definitely slugged over 231, though. I, I don't really know how you, how you don't. I don't even know how Winker's not. I don't know, unless he's checked the oh, eyesight, I guess. JBJ slugging 222. <laughs> With a worse OPS plus of 16. So, yeah, he's... And 107 plate appearances, so almost as many as Winker. Yeah, so, okay, just... And we know JBJ is not the answer, but we, in all seriousness, they, they do absolutely need a bat. That's a, a gaping hole. Defense, on the other hand, has been excellent. Brewers' first in defensive run saved. Um, you mentioned Weimer, Turang, two of those big key gloves. Weimer just covers so much ground out in center. I'm still shocked at how he's a big dude. And he he flies out there. Even uh, Kurt Casale's RBI double, I think it was in the 11th um, today, uh, Friday's game. Uh, Bryce Wilson gave up an RBI double to him. And Weimer almost laid out for the catch. And the ball was like straight in the gap, hit it straight in the gap. It was a clear double off the bat. And Weimer almost tracked it down. So. Yeah, defense is definitely there, but like you said, if you've got two defense first guys in the lineup, you can't have Adamis hitting two hundred. You can't have Winker. Um, yeah, there's got to be there's got to be more offensively, which I I didn't expect. I I went into the season saying, hey, I think the Brewers have an underrated offense, and it hasn't exactly played out that way. 
pitching actually has been a lot better. They're fifth in team ERA overall, which is pretty surprising to me when you think about Corbin Burns hasn't been the ace that you expected to be. Brandon Woodruff has been gone. Eric Lauer has been pretty bad. So it's kind of surprising. Freddie's been a little bit inconsistent, but yet the Brewers see themselves fifth in ERA, fifth in runs allowed, fourth in walks. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the Brewers pitching has been pretty good. Anything that you've seen specifically from the Brewers starting rotation or bullpen that's impressed you? Well, the strikeout numbers are pretty low. They're 13th in strikeouts in the National League, but their run prevention has been good, and a big part of that has been the defense. They lead the NL in defensive run save right now with 26. So I'm referring to my notes a lot. I don't have these these uh, these marks off the top of my head. But they do a very good job preventing runs when the ball is in play, and that's what's really carried them, I think. It's been as much as a defense can carry you the, the Brewers' defense has carried them because their offense is you know, among the worst in the league, if not maybe the worst in the league. Their pitching, I would say, has been average, but their defense has been outstanding, and their defense has been what has propelled them to win close games. It's made plays when they have runners on. They're trying to escape jams, and they've been able to to keep themselves in a lot of games with the defense. You really think, though, that the Brewer, an average or average pitching staff has a you know ends up fifth? In ERA, fifth and runs allowed, fourth and one. And, well, I guess walks isn't with matter. an elite defense. With an elite defense, you think that makes? And, and we're so. talking in the national leagues, obviously. Well, so fifth, fifth out of fifteenth. So why basically, don't, why don't we do this quick? Twenty-six defensive runs saved. So if they allowed twenty-six more earned runs, so that'd be two seventy-three, uh, two forty, <laughs> two forty-seven total runs. So two fifty-one earned what? runs. 247 plus 26? No, 247 is runs allowed, but it's earned runs. Oh, got it. So got it. 251 times 9 divided by 492. So then they'd have a 4.59 ERA as a staff if they were if they were a... Uh, zero. Yeah, zero defensive run save, which is average. Hmm. And quick look at the team's... Four five nine would rank them. That is an interesting thought. I I didn't even really think about that as a as a way to pretty much quantify the as defense. Best you can yeah, defense yeah, metrics. yeah. No, I mean four five nine. At least in MLB would rank them twenty tied for twenty second. Hmm. So it is so, a pretty big. Interesting. How many NL teams are there? Yeah. Either way, they'd be, they'd be the tied top. for twelve yeah. in the NL. Yeah. Interesting. So that so a huge wow, difference. Huge, that's a lot more than I would have expected. And I don't know, maybe half, maybe in June, early June, it's not quite as big of a, a sample size that that's a little bit flawed because that seems like a huge difference to me. But it it makes a difference, I guess. That that's to sum it up. So it's about a run every other, not not quite a run every other game, so which seems significant to me. Is, that defense could save a run a game. I mean, that's. But I I think that's. You think? I, I, I think so. I don't know. A, a run every single game. That'd be every other game. Oh, every other game. Got it. Yeah. Got it. They okay. played fifty-seven games. Okay. These stats are entering today, so fifty-six before then. Hmm. Yeah, I think perhaps. I th- I think that that that's reasonable with as good as the Brewers defense has been. I mean, that's best team in the right. league defensively. Right. So I, I think so. Well, we've talked about obviously a lot of holes in the Brewers offense, even pitching a little bit too. Two guys who have been excellent so far in the month, or so far in the month of May. Owen Miller and Yoel Payams. We talked about Owen Miller already, so I don't think we need to spend too much time, but quite the month that he had, and uh, he's living up to the 400 batting average hype that you had at the start of the season. 
what did I actually predict for him? Did I did I put a number on it or was it just leads the team? I think you just said leads the team. I think okay. you had I think you had said like two seventies. I think is what you had. Well, something yeah, in that ballpark looking pretty good because right now Miller's at three twenty eight. I think. And, and yeah, hit over three sixty for the month yeah, of May. Three twenty eight, and next is two fifty three. Christian Yelich. So he's doing pretty well on that. Yeah. Thank you, Owen Miller. He hit 363, 395, 600. The, the 600 slugging is what jumped off the page for me. But Christian Yelich actually had a good May, too. He hit 284, slugged 466, which is a very positive development. He hit the ball more in the air in May than in any month, I think, since 2019. Didn't he have, he had a couple, he had like a, a, a bunch of, of a couple home runs, like close mm-hmm. together, too, maybe like four. Well, against the Royals, because he only hits home runs. That's against right. Bad teams. That's right. Yeah. He then, have... But then he hit one. Whoever they played, okay. The so it must have been three against the Royals, uh, but I think all four were bunched relatively close. Right. Um, so yeah, Yelich had a good good month as well. Um, Yoel Piamps, um, he was excellent as well, and has really become a high leverage guy at this point. I would say mm-hmm. it took him a little bit to get things figured out in spring training. We also went to team. I think he went to the Dominican Republic for uh, the WBC and then didn't really pitch, but. He went 14 innings, two earned runs, six holds, and 20 strikeouts in the month of May. I, I debated going with Burns because Burns actually had a 3.3 ERA in May, took the ball all of his starts, and was a was a stabilizer, even if 3.3 ERA across the month of May isn't necessarily ace-level Burns, the, the Burns that we've come to expect. So I wanted to highlight Piams because Piams does not have many the barrel banter MVP awards for a month under his belt like Corbin Burns does. True, but Burns did actually do a pretty good job. Yeah, I, if you would have asked me, I, I wouldn't. Have, I wouldn't have guessed that he had a three point three ERA. So he had an underrated month as well. Even a Friday start when he got ejected, um, still a decent start. What six innings, two runs, three. I think. So, yeah, three. That's right, three runs. So, yeah, not great, but he's been. He, he's he's at least held the fort down, I guess, while Woodruff is gone. So him and Julio Tehran, like true, true. I, I mean, Colin Ray hasn't been bad either. That's true. So, four eight four eight nine ERA, but he had one. Yeah, he had one. Bad. Yeah, and, yeah. And a four eight nine ERA from Colin Ray for a seventh starter, eighth yeah. starter. I mean, he was yeah. probably an eight. What the eighth starter Burns, going in? Burns, Woodruff, Freddie, Lauer, Hauser, Miley, Ashby. Yeah, probably him. Alexander. Nah, I'd say. I'd say. Well, Ray Alexander was hurt right from the beginning, yeah, so he was never in the. Yeah, he yeah. was never in the conversation. But yeah, Ray was probably our James eighth starter. Nine, Ethan's yes. Robert Gasser. Random, random highlight. Think, yeah, he had a good, good, good start on his birthday. Did I mm-hmm. see? Today's the birthday episode, apparently. There we go. Yeah, but he, yeah, he had a good start in AAA Nashville, right? Possible, a possible arm we could see either late in the year or more likely next year. Or if, or if uh, one of the starters struggles, if. Well, I don't know. If, I don't know if they'd take out Hauser, but. Yeah, it'd have to be probably more so injuries. I think yeah. injuries and or struggles yeah. could lead to seeing him. But yeah, he had a nice, nice start in AAA um on his birthday so let's let's look at the freshman you talked about two rang and weimer two rang 209 258 307 with 163 plate appearances the glove has played obviously and even the speed um even on on friday beating out the double play on that fielder's choice to bring in i believe the second run in the 11th for the brewers um he's a fun player to watch because he plays hard good defense good speed i don't know a little bit of dustin pedroia-esque play minus the the bat um i guess you could say um but talk about Turing and how he's been and more importantly i think whether he deserves to continue to continue to 
be the guy the Brewers look to on a on a regular basis, or if they should be looking at other options and sending him back down or platooning. I guess what what do you do if you're the Brewers and and you see the offensive output that unfortunately Bryce Turing has has had so far uh, through the season? Well, I hope they stick with him because I don't want the Brewers to just option someone as soon as he's struggling. And they haven't done that. So, I mean, good for them. But I, I don't want them to do that yet. I think if we get to the trade deadline and he's still hitting this poorly, I think then maybe we evaluate. Yeah, maybe it's time to to option Turang. I really wish that they would let him play against left-handed pitching for the sake of his development. Uh, he's not really hitting against righties either. So rather than pigeonhole him into a strong side platoon role, what if we tried to make Turing an everyday player let him develop some. He's gotten 10 at-bats all year against lefties. So I hope he does get some time. Also, I want to highlight, he has no errors this year, which is very impressive for playing a, an up-the-middle defensive, uh, up-the-middle infield position. Yeah. No errors. So I wouldn't option Turing. I would still play him regularly. I would actually play him against lefties, and, he, and I would say maybe mix it more evenly. Lefties, righties don't necessarily play him every single day, especially with the way Owen Miller's played. But with the DH spot open now, maybe Miller goes and plays more DH. And then you have Bryce Durang playing a little bit more often. You can you can stomach the, the, the offense for the defense because his defense is so good. Maybe if we get to July, late July, he's struggling still. You look at, okay, maybe we option him and we look at some other options. Well, and you have to think about next year. We don't know the status of Willie Adames and the Brewers middle infield. So... This is an important year for Turing and the Brewers to figure out what their options are going to be. If we don't see Willie Dames back, that's a, a big gaping hole at short. And I think this is the year to really figure out if Turing is going to be an everyday guy or not. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I mean, if he can play excellent defense up the middle, that's valuable at second. And obviously not as much as at short, but it's still valuable. At yeah, second. yeah, absolutely. So I would agree. I think it makes sense to to keep him up. And again, the Brewers are are currently playing two rang a fair amount and Joey Weimer every day. Weimer's got a sub 200 batting average does have six home runs, but not excellent power in 173 plate appearances. It's really been the defense and the base running that we've seen from, from, from Weimer. But I think Weimer brings up a more interesting question because you've got Sal Freilich coming back from an injury. And I think that poses a question of whether you bring up Freilich. Then I think the follow-up question to that, of course, is then do you keep Weimer up and how do you balance playing time if you do? So Freilich should be back in maybe one or two weeks. I think once that happens, then let Freilich get a couple weeks under his belt back at AAA, get acclimated to playing again every day. And then if he's starting to play well, I think it's time to bring up Freilich because right now you should value you, sh you should value the uh, the hitting more than the, the fielding. I know Weimer's been very good with the glove, but you kind of need more offense right now. And Freilich's not a bad defender by any means. Weimer's probably better. But Freilich, when they were coming up, was seen as actually a better center fielder than Weimer was. Weimer was more of a corner guy. Interestingly, Weimer is actually hitting 283, 565 slugging against left-handed pitching. So he's hitting lefties well, but his, his line against righties is particularly brutal. 248 slugging, 159 average. I don't think that having a... Weimer Freilich platoon would be particularly helpful for the development of either of them. Freilich's definitely a guy that should be an everyday player. Weimer, I think, needs to get at bats if he's going to be in the majors, if he's going to be at AAA. Either way, 
He needs to get at bats. You can't just have him playing against lefties only. And I don't know that there's necessarily room on the roster for both of them to get everyday at bats unless Winker doesn't come back and play. And you want to have both Freilich and Weimer in the lineup shift Brian Anderson to DH. But I don't know that that's the answer. You, you, I think you need more offense than that. I agree. That would be not a very – yeah, that, that offense doesn't pack up a whole lot of punch when you're essentially swapping out DH just so that you can get Weimer and Freilich's bat in lineup. Maybe Freilich has a good you know offensive year this year. We don't know. But Weimer, I don't think, is going to necessarily have a breakout rest of the season anytime soon. Um, and I, I'm really not a fan of, like you said, pigeonholing these players into – always looking at platoon guys, platoon guys. I understand there's a time and place for it. Like Colton Wong, it worked really well last year, this year. Well, that's someone who's 32. Exactly. And more or less know who Colton exactly. Wong is as a major league. And that's called, I, I think that's called getting the most out of a player that you can get. And and that's not what or, you're looking to do. Or Mike Brasso, who's not, not somebody who's a, a big prospect where any major league role you get out of Mike Brasso. I mean, he didn't come up with the Brewers, of course, but he was a non-drafted free agent, really wasn't expected to be a major leaguer at any point so if you get somebody that can hit lefties well then you play him in that role but there's probably more in Freilich or Weimer or Terang than just a, a strong side platoon maybe maybe Terang is just a strong side platoon yeah I wouldn't be shocked if that if that's what winds up happening with him but if you keep only playing him against right-handed pitching yeah. then he's never going to learn to hit lefties look at Scooter Jeanette that's yeah. kind of what happened I mean he had a weird career arc so I, I don't know that that terrain will follow that, but yeah, but they never let Scooter Jeanette hit lefties. And then when he did hit lefties, he wasn't hitting them well. And they used that against him in arbitration, I think, or he was upset and they're like, well, you're not hitting lefties. Well, you give him nine at bats. It's kind of hard to, <laughs> to hit lefties. So but yeah, two ranks hitting a hundred. Yeah. Against lefties. One for 10. One for 10. So yeah, no, a hundred percent. I would agree with everything you said that if there's going to be a guy that does end up being a platoon guy, it's probably two rank of the three of them. But it's too early to to pigeonhole a guy like him with still some potential as a player. There's a chance he is an everyday starter up the middle. I don't know. Uh, we'll see if the bat can come around. Um, defense and the glove is is certainly there. So any other final thoughts on on the freshman, Joey Weimer, Bryce Turing? We'll throw Jackson Churio in the mix. Um, not not too much, obviously, on Garrett Mitchell. So any other any other thoughts you had on that? The latest installment of the freshman series on YouTube came out on I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday night. It was very good. It was basically only based on Jackson Churio, focused on his time in Biloxi. It, it talked about his development as a player, but also as a person going to Carolina, going to the Timber Rattlers and adjusting to life in the minor leagues and dealing with being the number one overall prospect in in, in Major League Baseball. So I, I would definitely recommend that one. That's out on the Brewers YouTube channel. Go check that one out. And I thought it was better than the first two two or three episodes that they did. Yeah. I haven't had a chance to, to listen to that or to watch that myself, but I'm excited. That's gotta be a heavy weight and a, a weird situation where you're so highly anticipated as a prospect, but yet you, you haven't done anything really, you know, you haven't made it um, financially or performance wise. So it's a, it's a gotta be a tough spot for him to be in. Um, and yeah, I'm certainly going to check that out myself. So looking ahead to next week's schedule, as we finish up the weekend series, of course, Brewers will finish up games two and three, in Cincinnati. And actually, this one is a four-game series, Friday through Monday, which I don't know the last time was that the Brewers had a Friday to Monday series. And that's why I didn't even... Yeah, so good good call. Four-game series uh, over in Cincinnati, Friday to Monday. That is very strange. Then they'll be back home, three against the Orioles and three against the Oakland A's. 
um, two teams we don't see come to town very often. Too bad we see the Orioles now. We couldn't have got them like any of the last three years. Now we get them when they're uh, a solid, solid team. So, But nonetheless, we'll see a good Orioles team come into Milwaukee and then a bad Oakland A's team, maybe the last Oakland A's visit to American Family Field in their franchise history. I'll actually be at one of those games uh, Friday night uh, against the A's if anybody else is at the game. Um, definitely let me know, but I'll be there cheering on the Brewers as they take on the A's on Friday. So David, we've, uh, we cover a lot today from, uh, Jeff Jenkins to the plethora of injury updates, the freshmen, lots to talk about today, the Brewers offense, any final thoughts that you have before we go? Before Troy Kenyon's auction closes on Mears online auction, go bid on 2011 Mike McClendon game worn Jersey starting bid $50. Uh, don't want Mike McClendon to see that his jersey went unbidded on. Now, I don't unfortunately have $50 laying around for a Mike McClendon jersey. Maybe if someone wants to send us $50 on uh, on our, I think do we still have it set up, our, our Spotify support yep. page, you're welcome to. I think that's automatically linked in the description. And then we could purchase the Mike McClendon game-worn jersey and we can hang it in the background. Hang it. Nice. I, I'll be wearing that thing oh, if somebody. For, yeah. The, okay. Oh yeah. If somebody and, somebody throws out fifty bucks for for Michael okay. Clendon's jersey, yeah, absolutely. And then seventy five dollars, and we can get you can get the McClendon one, and I'll wear the Jerry Naren batting practice jersey. That one's starting bid twenty five dollars, so we can get we can get the two, we can wear them, or hundred dollars. Peter gets Mike McClendon. I get Mike Rivera. Another that's, good that's a big upgrade. That is a big upgrade. From Aaron to Mike Rivera. Yeah. And actually, I, I did see the Nick Nujabauer yeah, ga- game used signed hat, which was MVP baseball, right? That was, was that Nujabauer? Yep. yep. He would throw gas, but he was terrible otherwise. Yeah, he was bad. Yeah. All, uh, we're obviously highlighting th- some of the uh, lesser pieces, mm-hmm. lower priced opportunities and in the au- auction, but some really cool, um, really cool stuff that. that and uh, good deals, right? I mean, right now, the auction closes tomorrow, but. I'm sure you could get some steals on on some of this this uh, memorabilia. Yeah, there's Paul Molitor autographs, Bob Euchre autographs, Hank Aaron autographs, Jim Gantner, Robin Yount, all the Brewers greats. Some cool old pennants as well. Um, but yeah, like like I think Troy said um, last time, there's really kind of something for everybody as far as price ranges go. And yeah, so definitely check that out again. Mirrors online auction. And if you again, if you didn't listen to last week's episode. And you didn't listen to me at the beginning, fine. But now I'll go back, listen to last week's episode. Excellent guest, Troy Kenyon of Mirror's Online Auction. And uh, David, will be back again next week to recap the Brewers Red Series, Orioles Series, and Oakland A Series. So until then, we will see you next time. This is Peter and David Go signing off. As always, go Brewers. listening to the barrel banter we'd appreciate it if you leave a comment or review so we can get the word out about our show to hear more find us on youtube at the barrel or on twitter at the barrel mke we look forward to connecting with you next time